Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. This month, we're getting back to basics. It's been a while. We're going to read some romance novels. Thank God. I feel like at the beginning of the podcast, I really set it up where I was like, and every week we're going to like talk about the perfect man and we're going to like do too many hands. And like the last like two months, we've like read Jane Eyre and Dune. And it's like, okay, so there's no sex. There's not really any romance. No. We're getting back to basics. It's bodyguard month. I'm and excited. my friend Mo is on. Hi, Mo. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I want your I want your credentials. Oh, okay. Fill of me course. in. Um, well, um, I am Emily Tucker's friend, and I was an English major <laughs> at uh, Truman, um, and then I was an English teacher, so I got a lot of that English knowledge for you. But now I'm just a casual enjoyer of books because I don't teach English anymore. Um, so I'm getting back into my like reading girl era because there was a time where I was like, I can't read um any of my off time because that's all I'm doing for work. <laughs> yeah. So now I've joined a book club. Um, I still use my English major like annoying. Um, I know more about this than you do sometimes at book club, but um, <laughs> but you know that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm much better about it now <laughs> than I was, you know years ago. <laughs> I think doing this podcast is actually so good for my ego because I read definitely just as a casual enjoyer. So yeah. it is really fun to hear people who like read differently than me yeah. talk to me about books. Of course. Like I think that that is so much fun. And I don't know, my mom's been in the same book club for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. But like the third Thursday of every month, I'm not going to have that free, like, 60% of the time. Like, it is yeah. astounding that they managed to get that set, because not me. I'm in a book club with mostly all <laughs> teachers, and we were like, we're just going to do it one summer. It's going to be fine. And then we had so much fun, like, just reading casually over the summer that we were like, okay, we're going to continue. So we've been doing it for, like, um over a year now, I guess. We just had our last one on Tuesday. We do it, like, randomly. We don't do it, like, every... Oh, okay. So, like, we'll, like... Someone, we'll, like, we'll sends a text. We're, yes. like, yeah. I love this. Let's do it. Yeah. So, we're, like, we're gonna... We're gonna say, like... We usually do it once a month. Um, every once in a while, we'll be, like, no October. October's too crazy for us. Um, mm. But we're pretty good about doing it once a month. Yeah, it's really fun. We just finished reading The Supper Club. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Um, I have not, but I will put it on my list. It's it's pretty good if you're a casual enjoyer of Sally Rooney. It's not Sally Rooney, <gasps> but I would say it has okay. her like esque there. Um, but we had the kind of a crazy book club based on that one. We, yeah, I'm not gonna get too into it because our book club is our book club. But um, <laughs> it was really fun. So, so fair, I respect it, and I love just having like a girly group where we get to discuss books and then drink wine. Which is like the yeah epitome of book clubs. So yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes I'm like I don't think I should trust like celebrity recommendations. I gotta tell you, yeah. I have never not liked a Reese Witherspoon book club. <laughs> okay, I agree with you. Reese is great at picking books. <laughs> She's amazing well, at it. Is is Reese picking the books? No, probably not. But who's ever picking them is you know a great at it. The 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 book club picker. I'm like. Reese is not picking these, but I do think she is reading them. I think she does have veto power. Whereas, like, with the Obama book club list, you're like, okay, so you did not read normal people, and you are not listening to Olivia Rodrigo, 
And, like, and you're not listening to Boy it's Genius. So you're going to tell me <laughs> you had Boy Genius and Ethel Kane on your playlist. I don't believe you, but that's okay. Like, I respect you so much. One of our least bad presidents. But, like, you did not write this list. You did not listen to American Teenager and not feel bad about it. I'm sorry. That was not on your top <laughs> list of the year. <laughs> 100%. Okay, so... Usually what we do next is we read the back of the book, which Exciting. is so good that you own the book because usually at this point in the podcast, yeah. I am frantically going Searching on Libby or Amazon, yeah. Googling <laughs> the book, trying to find the back of it. But Mo owns The Bodyguard, which is the book that we yeah. read this month by Catherine Center because you have met Catherine Center. I love Catherine Center. She is my, she's my queen. I've read multiple of her books. Um, she's also just like the, I don't know. She's my hero for like reading for joy, which I am going to force you to let me read, um, her little, I don't want to say manifesto, but her little like author's note in her last book, because it turned into like this whole, like, um, don't make fun of girls who read, uh, romance. Like they're reading for joy and basically F you, but like in a much more eloquent way. <laughs> um, but yeah. I can read the back of the book if you would like me to. Yes, Whenever. let's start with that, and then I wanna, I wanna hear Catherine Center, Catherine Center's manifesto. Of course. She's got his back. Hannah Brooks looks more like a kindergarten teacher than somebody who could kill you with his corkscrew, or ballpoint pen, or dinner napkin. But the truth is, she's an executive protection agent, aka bodyguard, and she just got hired to protect superstar actor Jack Stapleton from his middle-aged corgi breeding stalker. He's got her heart. Jack Stapleton's household name, he's captured by paparazzi on beaches, the world over and famous for, among other things, rising out of the waves in an all manner of clinging board shorts and glistening like a Roman deity. But a few years back, in the wake of a family tragedy, he dropped off from the public eye and went off the grid. They've got a secret. When Jack's mom gets sick, he goes home to Family Texas Ranch to help out. Only one catch. He doesn't want his family to know about his stalker or the bodyguard thing. And so Hannah, against her will and better judgment, finds herself pretending to be Jack's girlfriend as a cover, even though her ex says no one will believe it. What could possibly go wrong? Hannah hardly believes it herself, but the more time she spends with Jack, the more real it all starts to seem. And therein lies the heartbreak, because it's easy for Hannah to protect Jack, but protecting her own long-neglected heart that's the hardest thing she's ever done. That's a really good book jacket description. I know, actually, I know. this is I don't my favorite feel book. like I got the whole nut. It is good. <laughs> I this is the second time I've read it. Okay, and I will say the first time I read it, I did almost not survive the first three chapters, and I then I was like, that. okay, okay, we're in it, yeah. we're in it. That's a great description. I agree. I sometimes read a romance cover, like novel cover, and I'm like, okay, so I know the whole plot, and I know exactly yes. what the miscommunication is going to be, and the miscommunication is going to exhaust me. Yeah. And I love re reading romance, but, like, you I can only this. read the same dumbass miscommunication so many times yes. before you're like, can we, can we come up with something else? Can, exactly. can we please come up with something else? And I thought that this one was really good. I agree. This okay. So I go to this, this bookstore in my in my town in St. Louis, 
um, called The Novel Neighbor, and I'm obsessed with the girls who work there. And one of them was like, they posted a TikTok with this. And I was like, ooh, that sounds really good. And so I went in, and they were like, it's the best book I've ever read in my life. And I was like, okay. I That's so, a big, big recommendation, but I'll I'll get it. And I forced my book club to read it. And then I was like, this is a perfect book. I don't care that it's like a silly, goofy book. I don't care that I have to like, I don't have to like read into it at all. I love it. I love reading it. I think it's so sweet. Um, when I got to tell Catherine Center that I was like, this is my favorite book of all time. I was so excited. She wrote a little heart in my book. I love her. But no, it is. I love it. It's just like, I was kicking my feet the whole time I was reading it. And I was like, so good. <laughs> I love it. Jack Stapleton's a perfect man. We will talk about it later, but. Yeah, I, one, Jack Stapleton, I will say one thing, bomb-ass male character name. Great name. A perfect, like, celebrity male name. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Like, I did have a little bit of, like, oh, he's from Texas, this is, like, a Chris Stapleton vibe. Yeah. But also, who cares? We, there are only so many names in the world. There's only And so if many you'd names. had some, like, dumbass name that yeah. took you out of it. Exactly. Like, I believe that a man named Jack Stapleton grew up on a ranch in Texas. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. I believe that. Yes. I actually, like, immediately finished this book and, like, went and bought a second copy. And it was, like, by the time I was reading it, it was, like, sold out everywhere. <laughs> so I had to go to, like, mm. three different bookstores. <laughs> which, like, at that point, it's, like, go look online and, like, before you go there. And immediately sent it to, like, a friend in New York and was like, you have to read this right now. Thank you. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I'm sending it to you. You have to read I'm it. I'm sending it to you. I'm sending it to you. I think you <laughs> Um, so I've made multiple people in my life read this book. I'm glad we're talking about it because I think it's perfect. In so many ways. Okay. I'm so excited. You keep talking about bookstores. A new oh. romance novel bookstore just opened down the street from me today. That is exciting. It's called Under, it's called Under the Cover. <gasps> oh my gosh. Which is kind of sassy and fun. That is sassy. And, I'm gonna go, and I'm only gonna spend twenty five dollars. Okay, I believe in you. I'm, <laughs> I'm only you. gonna spend twenty five dollars. Well, oh. I wanna, I wanna own all the Emily Henry books, but I'm waiting for Happy Place to come out in, in paperback. paperback. I okay, I bought it immediately. Have you read it yet? No, I fucking wept. Okay, like good. I, I and it. you know, I'm not a crier. Yeah, it's and so I good. was like sobbing. Oh, I, had I was. To buy it. I love it. I she, was also working like fifty five hours a week though, yeah, yeah, and like was I think Annie was out of town and Sam hadn't moved in yet, so yeah. she was back at his apartment. So I was like by myself, like, and it was the scene where they're arguing in the spoilers for a Happy Place. Yeah, if yeah. anyone's worried about it, um, it was the scene where they're like, one, I almost cried about the rodeo shirt. When she oh, like gets drunk on the did. first night yeah. and it's yeah. like and it's like did you did you bring my shirt I want to sleep in my shirt yeah. I was like oh, oh God, hurt that's yeah, me yeah. that's me uh, yeah. and then when they're arguing in the bathroom and they're figuring out like yes. what has happened yes that scene specifically uh, I was like I was like if this ever happened to me I know like I. Emily Henry, I love you. This podcast is such a pro Emily no, Henry podcast. I love Emily Henry so much. I so I pre-ordered it from my girly bookstore, and when I went to pick it up, it was signed, and it was like the most exciting day of my life because I was like, I was, I didn't think I was gonna get a signed copy, and now I have a signed Emily Henry book, and so I'm waiting for the paperback so I can like you know reread it and not ruin my perfectly signed Emily Henry mm, book because I yeah. cannot, I can't weep onto that copy. 
So yeah. <laughs> that's my yeah. issue right now. Um, cause my other ones I can all like cry into and ruin, but this one I can't. Mm, I have to yeah. keep it pristine. Oh, no. That's my issue right now with my Catherine Center books too. It's like, I want to keep them perfect, <laughs> but alas. But I want to, I, I want to love them. I, I want to like them. read my books. The purpose of my, my philosophy on owning books is the yes. purpose of owning books is like, Books that you want a reminder that you've read them yes. or the ability to pick them up off your bookshelf any day, anytime and them. like sit down with your favorite characters. Exactly. I own two different sets of the Graceling books That's fair. because I thought they were only going to be three. So I bought the first three yeah. like when I was like in high school and I love them so dearly. And then in 2021, she published a fourth book. And changed the covers. Yes. Yes. And then I had to rebuy. Mm-hmm. Have I cracked the new versions of the first three? No. I'm reading my old versions that I kept. It is stupid that I bought these books. You have to have the same covers, though. I get that. But I have to have the same covers. I was so pissed. I'm I, still kind of pissed about it. I have. Well, I'm a teach. I was an English teacher, as you discussed. But I have, like, four sets of the original, like, Percy Jackson books. Like, that original first series. Because they were my favorite from when I was a kid. But then he changed the covers, like, three times. So I I have every single set of those covers. But I was also, like, like, feeling these books out like they were, like, meth to these kids. I was like, you have to read this book. If you don't like books, this is going to be that book for you. So You'll like this book! I was like... I think I had like five of the co- of the first book out at one time, and then I had like the graphic novel series because you know you got to get the kids in it. <laughs> They're, yeah, you gotta, the kids got to read it. So I am so, creating yeah. lifelong readers. Exactly. Oh, here I should. This should be something I ask every English teacher oh, on my please. podcast yes. or former English teacher. Were you teaching middle school though? I am teaching middle school. Or, I was. Yeah. Okay. So this would be particularly whack then. You see a kid walk in with the first Akatar book. Do you try to convince them to read something else, or are you just happy they're reading? Personally, because Jess I'm... was feeling so <laughs> ambivalent. Um, as a middle school teacher, if they have a book in their hand, they are reading, and I am like, hell yeah! Um, kids will come in with Colleen Hoover, and I'm I'm so anti Colleen Hoover, and I'm like, they're Me reading. Too. Yes. <laughs> so um if they are reading they are reading and i am so excited about it i will make fun of them behind their backs but like oh they okay are reading. um <laughs> i will not make fun of them to their faces i might like be like hey i see you like this book what about this book next but like i will never as a middle school teacher who like these kids nowadays like do not read they like have the attention span of like this long like so short um of like a TikTok, that's as long as they can watch basically. So if they are reading, I will not convince them to switch their book until they are finished. Um but I will talk to the teachers behind their back and be like, yo, this kid's reading this. What the hell? So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. um, where is their mother? Like who's doing like- this? Uh we had a group of kids last year. Um, my little my little gay best friend. Um, and his group of girls that hung out with him, he would have read aloud. Yeah, he would have read aloud time for Colleen Hoover. And so whenever they finished their homework, um, and they had to finish it first, he'd be like, Mizukama, can I please read 
read do read aloud time for Colleen Hoover, and I was like, oh god. And I can't remember <laughs> what they were reading. It's the one with the big car crash or something. Um, oh, were they reading Verity? No, the one where she double bites the headboard. No, it was the blue one. I can't remember what it was called. Um, oh, it was oh, a Verity. Oh, oh, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've never read Colleen Hoover. I tried to get through. Um, it ends with us, and I was like, this is so bad. So I, it, it was a do not finish. Um, but they would like sit in the corner and very quietly he would read them over. Um, I did get them to move on to other books, so we are good, but I, it was really funny. I was like, what is happening? Like, this is ridiculous. So <sighs> middle schoolers, <laughs> they're Kayla they're and I. Yeah, I believe that. Kayla and I did Colleen Hoover on the pod, and every yeah. single week, we, like, did Verity first, yeah. and we were like, it's gotta be uphill from here. You and think- then we, like, read the rest of them, and we were like, oh my god. I thought like, Verity's her best one. Verity's the best one. <laughs> and I, yeah, I can't get myself to get through it. Anytime someone's like, I love Colleen Hoover, I'm like, I'm glad you're reading. What if we read it something else? <laughs> Okay, we should we should do a two minute summary of the bodyguard. Do okay. you want to do the two minute summary, or do you want me to do the two minute summary? I'll let you do it. I feel like I've been talking a lot, so. Okay, okay. So this book starts with Hannah Brooks' mom dying. Yeah, and Hannah has no coping skills, and she drags her ass into the office day after the funeral. Eyes bloodshot, bloodshot has slept on her closet floor. Which, like, haven't we all? We have. <laughs> At least Mo and I have. And, um, and she goes to the office and she goes to her boss and she's like, put me on a trip. Send me to Madrid. I'm supposed to be in Madrid for work right now. And he's like, go the fuck home. You look insane. I'm not letting you do anything until you grieve. And her boyfriend, who she works with, drives her home. And on the car ride home, Robbie, asshole Robbie, dumps her. And is basically like, you were never emotionally available to me. And he goes on a trip to Madrid with her best friend, Taylor, to be bodyguards. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks later, everyone, like, comes back to the office. Hannah has, like, chilled the fuck out, like, 2%, which was apparently enough for her boss. Yeah. And her boss is like, okay, this is the biggest client we've ever had. Hannah, you're going to take lead on this. You are going to be Jack Stapleton's bodyguard. And the whole room kind of, like, descends into chaos. And Hannah is acting so chill on the outside. But on the inside, she is like, oh, my God. That's the hottest man I've ever seen, and I do have a crush on him. And she shows up to his house. He thinks she's the cleaning lady. He's kind of rude, but, like, not on purpose. And then she, like, gets his blood and flips him over her shoulder because he doesn't believe she's strong enough to protect him. And then she leaves and goes back to the office because Jack is like, well, you know, you're supposed to, like, be my girlfriend. Like, that's kind of the whole thing is so that we can, like, go see my mom. I feel like I'm skipping something, but that's okay. No. Because if I'm forgetting it, it must not be that important to the plot. (laughs) Um... And she goes back to the office, and asshole Robbie is like, no one's going to believe that you're Jack Stapleton's girlfriend, you, like, plain little mouse of a girl. Like, they're really acting like Hannah is Jane Eyre. Ugh. I hate Robbie. Like, oh, it's God. so fucked up. Robbie's the worst dude you've ever known. And she, like, drags him out of the room by his tie, and she's like, 
poking him in the forehead and being like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, you're being a huge asshole. And et cetera, et cetera. And then Jack comes in on hands and, like, on knees, prayer hands, and is like, Hannah, please, please be my bodyguard. So she agrees to be his bodyguard. And later on, we find out that uh, Robbie and Taylor, Hannah's best friend, hooked up in Madrid. And Taylor is like, he's different this time. He's going to love me forever. And Hannah, like, cuts her out of her life. As she which should. I have things to say about this later. I have things to say about this later. Okay. Um, and Jack and Hannah go out to his parents' ranch. And they go out to his parents' ranch, and she's playing his girlfriend. She's got her red cowboy boots on. Actually, no, she's wearing sandals. This is a big deal, actually. Yes. Um, that is a big deal. And she finds out that Jack, who disappeared after a car accident for two years, um, cannot drive across a bridge. Um, he lets Hannah drive, and he walks across the bridge and then gets in the car. So we're, like, finding out about his traumas. And then we get to the ranch, his brother hates him, his parents love him, they're all trying to get along. Jack, like, gets in an argument with Hank and then walks out to the river and Hannah follows him because she's like, my whole job is to keep you safe. But she's wearing sandals and then she goes in the river and then the river almost washes her away, which is, if you'll believe it, traumatic for Jack, whose brother died in a car accident with him, like, two years ago. And then they hang out, they hang out at the hospital, they hang out on the farm, etc., etc. Hannah is going, I can't tell when he's acting, I can't tell if he likes me. And then they catch his stalker, the corgi lady. Yes. But they also, at the same time that they catch his stalker, Hannah gets noticed as Jack's girlfriend and makes it into the media. Mm -hmm. And suddenly Hannah is actually in a lot of danger. Yes. So Hannah gets like exiled from the farm because Jack isn't really in danger anymore because they catch his stalker. And she gets like locked in her apartment. And then her and Jack talk a little bit and Mm -hmm. she yells at Taylor and she yells at Robbie again. Thank God. And eventually they all end up on the farm for Thanksgiving. Yes. And Taylor says a lot of really sweet things. Her and Jack kiss. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. kiss a little bit. They kiss a little bit. And then he's like, let's go on a date tomorrow. And she's like, bet. This is the best day of my life. And she goes home and she puts on a slinky red dress and she shows up to his house in town. And he opens the door and he's acting really weird. He's like, Taylor, that was just acting. I can't believe you ever thought that I would want to be with you. Yeah. And he like pokes at every single insecurity she has the whole book. And then she goes back out to her car and she thinks to herself and she's like, I can tell when he's acting. Yeah. And that was acting. And she goes back into the house. She like finds a corkscrew because she's like, something is wrong. There's someone else in the house with him. And she like goes up to the roof, gets shot. Yeah. By a fan who hates Jack Stapleton because his wife left him because she was so in love with Jack Stapleton. And then he's acting crazy, and he's like, I brought Jack up here, so he had to watch me kill myself. Yes. And then Jack and Hannah, who have learned so much about themselves and about loneliness and blah, 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 this whole book, are like, no! And then they do some, like, heartfelt Mm -hmm. mental health stuff, and then they save his life, and then two days later, they get to go on their actual date. Yes. And then the book kind of ends. 
Oh my god. I think that could have been like maybe six minutes, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm We're fine all right. It. I'm literally okay with I Okay, did I miss anything important? I think the only I wanna add about Jack's mom, because the whole time she's like, Girlfriend, he's in love with you. And like Hannah in her head is like, No, he's not, he's acting. And Jack's mom the entire book is like, I know my son. That man's in love. And like I think it's so cute. Oh, and the um these are just like very small details about the book that I'm bringing up. I'm sorry. She has a little No, that's okay. She's got a little safety pin necklace the entire movie. I mean the entire Mm. book that her mother, like, I guess passed down to her. And it's like a little safety pin that has beads on it. She wears it as a necklace. And there's um she loses it at one point. And Jack goes and searches for it and finds it for her. And this is like one of those points where she's like, he doesn't like me. Like, he can't see me. And he goes and he finds his necklace for her. Genuinely, one of the That's most amazing true. things in the whole book. Um, A fun fact about that is Catherine Center came and visited the bookstore that I love to go to. And she made a bunch of safety pins with beads on it and left it Cute. for the bookstore. And so I have one because when I bought the bodyguard, anyone who bought the bodyguard got to get a little pin from her. So it's on my teaching lanyard. So... Um, okay i love that yes. i did forget that like, and that is actually very sweet yeah it's one of my favorite details of the book is like there's like just very small things because he's like let me carry you you're wearing sandals you idiot or like um he like notices her safety pin necklace like he's like you're missing it and then he goes and finds it and she's like he just ran away like oh blah, blah, blah. i don't know why he did that but he was actually going to find her necklace oh those things those little things are those things i love about the book so yeah but um you mentioned earlier the first few chapters are really hard to get through and i agree with you because like hannah is so like i don't want to say no it's not manic it's the the other one she's so like depressed in the beginning and she's so like crazy and she's like i just want to work blah 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 and her and she didn't really have the best relationship with her mom we can tell she only has Mm -hmm. like bits and pieces of her and she's like i don't want to do anything but work like blah 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 and so she's like you're she's kind of annoying in the beginning but that's what I kind of love about the book is like you see this development from her um like like honestly like just a couple chapters later you're like oh I'm kind of like you're starting to grow with her um but like I agree with you the first few chapters I was like I don't know how I'm gonna get through this book I don't like this narrator but then I started to love it so I don't know your opinion on it I I think that actually Catherine is really doing a good job of something that romance authors are not often awesome at which is they are like showing us about hannah's character instead of like telling us like hannah is like beset by insecurity she is like it is like a a core tenant of her being is being insecure about herself and it's not just about her appearances it's also like kind of a little bit of just like i think a protective shell because she had such a hard upbringing but like something that robbie says when he breaks up with her is like you never opened up to me like you never gave me a chance to care for you and something that Taylor says, which I disagree with. Actually, I have beef with this. I think Catherine Center needed to write Taylor differently if she was going to have Taylor say this. But Taylor is like, Hannah, I wasn't your best friend. I was just your work friend. I'm so sorry. That did not ring true. You live next to each other. You do each other's hair. Yeah. You have movie nights. You like spend time together. You talk about your relationships with each other. You are her best friend, so I don't know why you're being such a bitch about it. I think 
Taylor said that to try to make herself feel better about cheating or like not cheating or sleeping with Robbie, like getting hooking up with Robbie. Yeah. I think Taylor was trying to like be like make it work in her mind. She's like, We're not actually friends. We're like work friends. Mm. And so It was a guilt thing. I think it was a guilt thing. Um, because I also thought that at first too, but then um like on this reread, I was like, mm. I think Taylor was just trying to be like, mm, we're just work friends. Like we're not actually friends, we're not friends. Because she felt so bad about sleeping with Robbie. Because she comes back later in the book and apologizes and is like, you know, so distraught by it. Because Robbie's an asshole. I hate Robbie. I hate Robbie. Ugh, I hate Robbie. <laughs> I personally think, frankly, if their boss was so good at his job, yeah, Robbie, he would have fired Robbie. I agree with you. Because something about being a good manager is making sure that you have a team that can be cohesive. Robbie slept with two people on the team. Yeah. He broke the heart of one. We'll call he, like, half broke Hannah's heart. He didn't really break Hannah's heart. Yeah. yeah. He definitely made her sad, though. He yeah. also, like, is being the world's biggest dick. Like, I'm so sorry. Hannah had every right to either slap him across the face or kick him in the nuts. I like, agree. when he's, like, Hannah... You are homely. No one will ever believe that you are going to be with with Jack. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I really hate I him. don't like you. Uh, well, and they introduce... I didn't talk about her at all because I found her character to be kind of, like, superfluous. But Kelly, whatever. Oh, yeah. His ooh. ex, like, PR girlfriend. She had been, like, dating Jack for, like, a PR scheme. Yeah. Jack didn't like her. He, like, joked with Hannah about how, like, her yeah. breath smelled like elephants and, like, she yeah. was gross. And then she shows up to Jack's house and, like, proposes marriage to him. Yeah. Which I found to be kind of ridiculous. I did. She is out on the farm for Thanksgiving and Kelly, like, corners Hannah by a fire. Yeah. And is, like, and Jack is there, too. And she's talking to Jack and she's being, like, Oh my god, Jack, baby, isn't it so crazy that anyone would think you would be with Hannah instead of me? Like, isn't she just, like, the ugliest cow you've ever seen? Yeah, it makes me so I mad. thought that was a little much. I really think I that do. Catherine Center did not need to double down quite so much on that. Hannah's so ugly. No one is acting like this. No one is calling someone homely to their face so yeah. many times in a six-week period. I like, agree. that is batshit bonkers. I agree. I think, I think this Kelly girl was too much, and um, Robbie just, well, I think Robbie's just an asshole. I think Robbie's one of those, like, frat boy guys who, like, doesn't understand what he's saying, and he's just trying to hurt her because he's also insecure and a dick. I don't know. There's just a lot about him that I, I also love that, um, Jack only calls him Bobby. Um, Hell yeah. I think that's hilarious. He's always just like, this Bobby guy. And she's like, his name's Robbie. And he's like, ah, okay. And like, to his face, <laughs> he'll be like, okay, Bobby. And he's like, my name's Robbie. He's like, oh, I, I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> like, I think that is so funny. Um, well, don't, sorry, my cat. Um, I think. No, that's okay. Um, I think that is like such a funny little like dig at this guy who like is so. Um, like, he thinks so high of himself, and, like, everyone else is just like, okay, Bobby. Like, that's hilarious to me. I think it's really important to disrespect men. Yes. I think, I mean, and I so, <laughs> and, like, specifically, like, 
Like, this doesn't do anything but make Robbie feel crazy. Yes. Like, this is, like, the, like, gentlest form of gaslighting yeah. that you can do. And it's it's perfect. It is yes. amazing. I agree. Like, I love it. Let's see. We can talk about the setting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um specifically this is this is a one-off comment i read this book for the first time when i was like in the depths of my only murders in the building era yeah and they like live the ranch is on the brazos river yeah and i was just like steve martin's on the farm (laughs) steve martin is on the farm he's there stay the whole time i just like i was like there's no way that there are like two characters this yeah. river and Brazos. Yeah. Like at the forefront of my mind at all times. That is right yeah. now. I was like, this is bizarre. Like, very um Doofenshmirtz, like, if I had a penny for every time that I thought about the name Brazos in November of twenty twenty one, like <laughs> I'd have two nickels. But isn't that weird? Like, oh, I wish I had actually quoted that correctly, but I do not have it memorized. <laughs> So, um, I'm just gonna be wrong about it. My, I found out, like, okay, so, you know, like, the bridge thing with the river and everything. We are a book club, and I found out that one of my very good friends, I had not known this about her, is deathly afraid of bridges. <laughs> We're like, what? And she starts telling us, like, here's what you need to do. If you're ever, like, in a, in a car, and, like, your car goes off the bridge, and we're all like, why do you know this? She's like, I'm very scared of bridges. And I was like, okay, like Jack Stapleton over here. Um, so like book club was very like, um, informative that month. We learned how to, uh, get out of a car if you start drowning. She was very prepared to tell us what to do. She's like, you need to immediately roll down some windows. And we were like, okay, <laughs> like try to get the door open and you're like i don't know how to do this (laughs) and then i started thinking like what if i go off a bridge now um but the river played a big role in my book club that that um that month (laughs) i have never like i don't feel the call of the void in that i like drive over a bridge and i'm like "Ah, (laughs) yeah like maybe i could just turn my wheel like i don't feel the call of the void that way (laughs) but i like every time i drive over a bridge i'm really like okay what would I need to do if I went off this bridge right yes. now? And she knows. She's prepared. <laughs> and we were I like, just, like, I can't believe how many people are suffering from, like, chronic anxiety who just, like, yeah, are never going to be diagnosed and are never going exactly. like, to, like, get help for it. It's just going to be, like, okay, now every time I drive over a bridge for the rest of my life, I'm going to think about what would happen if I went off it. Yep. yep. Like, I'm on anxiety <laughs> meds, and now I'm thinking about it constantly. Like, well, dang, what are we gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like you know, eating disorders are the most communicable mental illness. Yeah. But like the second one, the second most communicable mental illness might be anxiety. I think it is. I think we all have it. I think some people have it worse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we all know. I I think a quote that was said once by the frisbee team was like. It's not a day until Mo cries. And, you know, that's probably because I was undiagnosed with anxiety by that point in our, in our life. Um, Are you crying less? Yeah, I am. Now that I'm on anxiety meds, you know, I don't cry every day. We're good guys. We, you know, we've chopped it up I like mean, once a week. So, <laughs> doing so much You better. know, that's not bad. 
I know. That's real. Once a week, I think, is really normal. I agree. I will say, at my, at my, when I was at my first school teaching, I cried every day. This, I'm at a new school and I really like my new district, so like, I don't cry anymore. Mm. The first year of teaching. Okay. Oof, that was a, that was a cry every day situation. <laughs> I do think about crying every day, but I don't. And you know, that's, that's the difference. That's gross, Mo. That's good. <laughs> you know, I actually think that I'm growing as a person because I'm crying more. Okay. I like, like it. I used to cry like once every eight months. Oh, yeah. but it was like a full, like nasty, breakdown. like yeah. breakdown, like like sobbing, and like you know what? I would like watch it. I used to like not even really cry about sad TV. Like I mean, mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias, but like that's everybody, everyone. But um, like I watched Lessons in Chemistry last week and was like, wait, is that a show? Oh my god. Yes, Brie Larson is playing Elizabeth Zott. Oh, I didn't know that. Wait, how did I not know that? Okay. It's on. It's on Apple TV Plus, and I actually thought it was really good. But when the great tragedy happens, yeah. I was so fucked up. Like, I mean, like, and the cat was laying on me, so I couldn't get up. So there weren't <laughs> any Kleenexes near me. Yeah. So I just had like snot like running okay. down my face. Um. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> let's see um i have one more one-off comment and then i feel like we should talk about the miscommunication oh of course um she when she goes to stay on the farm mm-hmm. she like packs like a nightgown that yeah. is like a little victorian child nightgown <laughs> I like love it's it. the kind of nightgown your like grandma buys at walmart yeah. i love it but jack stapleton is like what, what is that? are you wearing? Yes. And she's like, it's a nightgown. Like, what are you talking about? And I have to tell you, I own, like, a lot of, like, matching pajama sets because I think it's fun. Yeah. But what I really want mm-hmm. is, like, some summer 90s and some winter 90s. I like it. Like, there's, like, a $90, like, L.L. Bean flannel nightgown that would cover me from, like, Head chin to. to past my knees and, like, buttoned all the way up. And it seems so cozy. Yeah. It seems so wonderful. <laughs> so Jack Stapleton missed me with the nightgown shaming. Like, I get out of here. Like you just because it's not like silky yeah. and a little shorter. Like if you like this girl as much as you think you do, I mm, we can talk about this in too many hands, but I do think that even though there wasn't that much sex in this book, which is fine, I think there could have could have been a little bit more lust. Yeah, I get it. Like, like Jack Stapleton is not really like staring longingly. Like, yeah, even yeah. Under, like just like, look at well, her legs okay. a little bit, I or like her shoulders. It, I think part of it is the first person anxiety of Hannah Brooks. Is like she's not. That's true. Like I think she's more like he's not looking at me. Blah blah blah. Like and every time he does look at her, she's like, he, she's blowing it off. So I think part of it is just like our unreliable narrator is we're not getting that. Um, I will say I really love the ho- the hospital scene where they're like in the closet, <laughs> like that first scene. Mm, love that one. But um, I do think we could have gotten more of that. Like, oh, he's longing at me. But I do think like that's something we get in books that are first person for like characters who have known each other for a while. And Hannah Brooks mm. is just an anxiety little mess of a person. Which is why I love her so dearly, because she is so messy and so, like, 
anxious and it's like me too girlfriend that's how every time a boy looks at me and i'm like he's actually looking past me and he's never looked at me once in my life <laughs> and so i get it it's like no one's ever talking to me or about me or to me so i think that's part of it um but i understand exactly what you're coming from because i think every romance book could have a little bit more of it except for colleen hoover she should stop writing um so <laughs> <laughs> I am, I think it's because I read, I know that you and I disagree on this, but I really like Allie Hazelwood. I know you do, yeah. I, like, Mo and I am about to tussle through the Discord screen, (laughs) but I, like, think that she has both, she has really actually managed to capture really well what it is like to have an insecure, anxious character. Yeah. And also have, like, a male character who, like, is really, like, looking yeah. like that that i think she actually writes really well do i sometimes wish we were not in so many messy um technical boss kind of their student yeah she is writing in some gray fucking areas <laughs> i will tell she you that much which is why i personally stay away from <laughs> well that and You're i like, also know it's raylo fan fiction and i can't do it i can't do it it's it's barely raylo fan fiction they <laughs> literally know. just look like this. it's the covers the covers freak me out i think that's part i know don't touch a book by its cover but i can't like make them look different i actually read a book okay have you read there's another raylo fan fiction book that i didn't know was raylo fan fiction until we were at book club and they were like yeah this is based on them and i was like are you kidding me and I was like, no wonder I can't stand it. Um, it was called, oh my God, You Again. It was a very fall read. It's supposed to be when Harry met Sally, like retelling slash Raylo fan fiction. And I was like, it looks so oh, cute. Oh shit. Okay. And pulling like, it up on Libby as soon as course. we're done recording. Um, and like, they look exactly like that. The Hazelwood characters like on the cover. And I should have known before I started reading it, but I, you know, didn't no one told me, so I put it out of my mind. And now that I finished reading it, I'm like, this makes sense. Um, and I'm like, dang it, they pulled me in. <laughs> I unfortunately think that just like this podcast should just like really be renamed like Emily loves Adam Driver. Yeah, like Emily loves Adam Driver. I, and that's fair enough. I'll give it to you. He's cute. Like, like he's. And I really like that I know, like, exactly what, like, shape and size and person I'm, like, looking at. I will say, yeah. Criminal by Allie Hazelwood. I just read one of her little, like, wintertime novellas because oh, yeah, I was yeah. like, well, like, I just want to, like, read something, like, in a day. I want to read it in the morning. I yeah. want to move on. Ask me the height of the female character. How, how tall is she? 4'11". Ask me the height of the male character. But is he, like, six foot? Oh, no, he's like six foot seven. That's too, that's too much. That's they too can't impractical. Kiss. It's impractical. They cannot kiss. Impractical. Frankly, like, what, are we going to pretend that she has like a regular sized torso and like really short legs? Like, what are, like, how are the proportions of this working? It's not. That's uh-uh. the issue. I don't uh-uh. like that. Don't like it. It pissed me off. I also was like, I don't know. Do you ever listen to the podcast Binge Topia? No, I haven't. I haven't heard that one. 
they did a podcast episode about like pedophilic beauty standards and like why men want women who like look younger and are smaller and it's because like it's easier to control a child than a grown woman and also like some men are pedophiles but like if i am a 411 woman listening to a 67 man basically tell me that I look like I was like made in a lab of all of the things he's ever yeah. wanted in a woman. I'm like I think you might like children. I'm getting out of here. This is gross. I'm getting out of here. Ugh. This is gross. That one I was like this trope this is bad. This is Not a yucky good. trope. Get out. Not good. Ugh. Um okay. Let's talk about the miscommunication, and then I think we can put this into moving things in the outline. Don't mind me. <laughs> All good. Um, so, talk to me about the miscommunication trope in romance novels in general. Will you tell me what it is oh, and yes. why it has to happen? It has to happen. So, um, if you're a fan of romance books, fan of rom-coms, whatever, there's going to be a miscommunication. So, they're going to be like in love they're gonna be like we are together and then something's gonna happen where they it's gonna be either like they're talking to another person that they used to date or they're gonna overhear something and they're gonna be like oh no it was all a ploy like we're not actually in love they're in love with someone else and they're not gonna talk to each other to figure it out they're just gonna leave or (laughs) they're just they're gonna like break up with them and yell at them or something and there's gonna be a huge miscommunication that is just going to, like, break them up. And then the other person who was, like, talking, who was the original, like, person talking to someone else or, like, um, you know, like, has no idea what's going on. They're like, why did they break up with me? I'm really confused. Why did they disappear? And it has to happen. Yeah. So at the yeah. end of the book or the end of the movie, we can get a cute romantic thing where they're like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I've always loved you. And then, like, the person can either, like, change their mind or the person who like doesn't know what happened can like make a huge romantic gesture we have to have the huge romantic gesture at the end so the miscommunication has to come first yeah i love it i think it's one of my favorite parts of the book i know everyone gets so mad because it's like it could so easily be fixed if you just walked up to them and were like what the heck why what's going on but i love the drama of it like because that's me i'd be like man they're talking to this girl i have to leave they hate me so, like, it's, I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> they can be really, really well done. Like, yeah. that's what I'll say first is the miscommunication trope can be really, really well yes. done. Yes. Sometimes I feel as if authors toss one too many in there. I agree. Like, sometimes they'll have them, like, be miscommunicating about a specific problem for, like, a third of the book. Yeah. And then it will come to a head and they will have their big miscommunication breakup. And I'm like, but, like, there's so many other things huh. you could have miscommunicated about. Also, like, I don't know. This book, however, really teed that one up on a platter. I think the miscommunication is really good. Because the miscommunication is, he is, like, an Oscar-nominated actor, and I am a woman who keeps being told by every single person in my orbit that I am too plain to date him. Exactly. He must be acting. He Mm -hmm. must be a really good actor. And when they, like, split up because she's in danger and he's not in danger anymore and he comes to say goodbye to her, like, they have a nice goodbye and the way that they split is basically by, like, a coworker relationship ending because one of them gets a new job. Yep. And it's, like, sad and you wish it wasn't happening. And then, like, it does. And I think that that's really 
good because you're like you're not like banging against the glass being like no yeah. no you're just like okay like this is sad and obviously she's going to fix it but like this is as realistic as a I tiny do. woman becomes bodyguard for extremely hot man on a ranch in Texas can be I agree it's so it's so like like you were still sitting there I mean I was still sitting there reading it and being like no Tell him you love him. Like, ask him if he was acting. But, like, it's like, no, it has to happen. Like, her job's finished. She's got to, she's still committed to the job. Like, it's it's a good, like, communication breakup. Or miscommunication breakup. And I, I, I don't know. I think it was really well done for this, for this book. And it was set up so perfectly. So perfectly. So, yeah. Well, and it's also really respectful of Hannah to be like, I do not want to make this yeah. celebrity uncomfortable with yeah. my crush. Like, Jack talks in the book about how, like, it feels like he has practically never had a real conversation with someone yeah. because, like, he is a celebrity and everyone is always just being like, Jack, Jack, like, Jack, talk to me. Do I'm this kidding. for me. Yeah. You're perfect. I love you. And Hannah, like, squabbles with him about him, like, leaving his socks on the bathroom floor and things like that. And, like, I think that it is, like, good Mm -hmm. that, like, Hannah knows this about him and, like, chooses to, like, respect a boundary that he didn't know that he set. Like, I think that that's also good because if she had, like, thrown herself at him, it would have been like, oh, well, now you're – now you are just like other girls. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also like that we got, like, an actual miscommunication thrown in there, uh, where, like... Oh, with the, with the shooting at the end? Yes. Like, I thought the plot twist at the end was so good, because, like, the whole time we're thinking that, like, the whole big issue is the stalker, the stalker, the stalker, the stalker, and so we're, like, we're so set that, like, once she is caught, we're, like, the job's done, we're fine, everything's okay, and then... He, like, she goes to his house to tell him, like, no, like, I actually love you, blah, blah, blah. And he's so mean to her. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, as a reader, you're like, holy crap, he was acting. And, like, <laughs> for a second, your heart's broken. I think my friend had finished it when I was first reading it. And I immediately was like, what's happening? I texted her and was like, <laughs> no, I don't believe it. Like, this can't be it. Um, And I was like, There's, I was like, something's wrong. Um, And it's so, so well done. Because, like, oh, it's like. Like, your heart's broken. You're like, this isn't Jack. This is, this is Robbie. Like, what's going on? Um, oh, it's so well done. And then to find out it's like some random guy that we had no idea about. Um, who was just so mad at Jack because like his wife, like, that's a crazy plot twist, but like, it was so well done because like celebrities and like people in the public eye, like that stuff happens to them sometimes. Like, Oh, I don't know. My my book club was like, this is unrealistic. And I was like, you shut your mouth. I loved it. <laughs> uh, I think I was the only one to give this a five stars. Um, everyone else was like, it's good. And I was like, shut up. You all shut up. <laughs> but no, I loved well, it at the end. Because I thought it was so well done when he was like, he treated her badly because he knew that she was going to like, he was, she was going to know. Like, that's so good. Oh, I love it. I also think that it's a really good miscommunication at the end when he sends her away because it's fast. Yeah. 
Like, she didn't go home and mope and cry in her ice cream and then spend two weeks trying to get it together while her best friend is like, yeah, you need to get back to the office. He looks so sad. Like, like none of that is happening. Like, she pulls herself back up by her bootstraps. She's like, something weird is going on. I am a professional. I am going to solve this. And it's good. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Yes, I agree. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. You want to talk about the perfect man? (gasps) Yes. I love the perfect man. Okay. I think it gives us... Okay, here's the thing. And this is such... Maybe an unpopular opinion. I think... (laughs) (laughs) I think... um, (laughs) Having a perfect man in the book is the only thing that gives me hope for love at all. Um, Because there's Mm. so many disgusting gross men in the world. That I hate. And I really do hate a man. But when I get to read about a perfect man, I'm like, I know that they're out there. So I've met I've met a few men who are, like, really good. But they're not. There's not many. <laughs> there's not many. I think... And I think it's such a perfect, hopeless romantic that, like, these books give me so much joy and hope. And I love a perfect man. And I love Jack Sableman. He might have been too perfect. Because the fact that, like, everyone hates him just because he was, like, my brother... Like, I have to, I have to save his face. I don't know, but I love the perfect man trope. And I think it's been such a classic trope for literally centuries. Like, think about Pride and Prejudice. Think about, like. No, 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 no. Mo, Darcy is not a perfect man. He He is prejudiced and he is bad. And then he changes his ways. Jack doesn't change his ways in this book. I actually have been thinking about this. Okay. A lot. I think that Jack is not a perfect man, but he is a perfect partner. And I think that's what gives me the heebie-jeebies. Okay. Like, I don't know if, like, I would prefer if he, well, I guess he, like, leaves his socks on the bathroom floor. Yeah. But, like, that's not, like, I want him to be, like, just, like, literally 2% more realistic. Like, I want him to, like, maybe, like, get mad at Hannah for how insecure she is. Okay, fair enough. Not in, like, a, not in, like, a mean way, but just be kind of like a, I can't believe that you don't see yourself the way that I see you. Yeah. Like, something like that, with, like, a little bit of a tone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I want him to, like, have an emotion Okay. And I don't think he's that emotional, this book, besides, like, having anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Same. And also, like, hiding the truth about the death of his brother. Like, those are the two things we really find out about him in this book. And none of them really have to do with his relationship with Hannah. And that is what worries me a little bit, is I, like, he, like, heroically carries her back from the river so she won't step on a snake and he heroic like he's he's so heroic and giving and i'm kind of like i'm waiting for the human shoe to drop like i'm not expecting him to like two-face flip around but i like i'm waiting for him to show that he like is is human in a way that I'm, like, not really seeing with him as, like, a partner. See, I think... Okay, I think I read this a little differently. I think the way he, like, 
yells at her for like the river where he's like why did you wear those sandals or like the way he carries her back isn't like a mm, he I, does get mad that's true i don't think that's him being like i'm a heroic person i think he's doing it to be like oh you're so annoying why didn't you know this so i think there are like i think yes he is like one of the most perfect like male characters in a book i think that is true but i also think he has his like little like oh my gosh i can't believe you didn't know but that's because he's scared well yeah i read that as fear see i read it as like uh you're a bodyguard and you didn't this bitch bitch do her research like oh my gosh i that's what that's how i read it um which i kind of love because he's like are you kidding you don't know about the thames river or the thames river or whatever not the thames the bravos the bravos sorry you don't know (laughs) about this river are you kidding like, I feel like it's such a boy from the country who's, like, showing you his house for the first time. He's like, oh, you don't know about this? You didn't wear closed-toed shoes? You don't know about, you don't know about the country? And I feel like that's, like, I don't know. I do personally love that he's perfect because I do love watching a rom-com where you're just like, oh, like, the and, like, the miscommunication is that, like, he is perfect, but we all don't think he is. So, like, um... Yes, in Pride and Prejudice, Ugh. I'll give you that. He is prejudiced. But, like, in the retelling <laughs> of Pride and Prejudice, my my favorite, Bridget Jones' Diary, um, Mark Darcy is a perfect man. And the, the miscommunication in the story is that he, we all think he's not a perfect man, but he's actually, like, the most perfect character of all time. And we all love him for it. Like, he is a classic gentleman. Um, and the whole time we think he's not, but he's actually, like, amazing. And I love it. Those are like my favorite characters. Um, and I think it's because we just don't get to see it in the real world. Like, I don't know. I feel like every man I know is actually a horrible. I mean, they're not, but I like, even the ones that I like dearly love, I still find like things that I'm like, Oh my God, shut up. I can't, I can't listen to you talk anymore. And like, even like my best friends, I'm like, Oh my God. I don't want to hear you speak to me anymore. This is not a man's, <laughs> this is not a man's opinion anymore. And so like, I don't know, there's, and this could be just, I don't know, inner misogyny or something, but I do love a perfect man. <laughs> <laughs> so I love him. And that could just be me like falling into the romance trope very hard and just loving a perfect man. But because I get really annoyed when they're not. When they're like so overly annoying in books, I'm like, why aren't you better? So maybe that's just me like hating an annoying man. Have you read the Spanish Love Deception? No, I haven't. Don't. Okay. <laughs> Put it Don't. on my do not read list. It's too long. Sam and I read it for Hateful Coworker Month. I think yeah. we just realized we kind of hate Hateful Coworker Months Fair because enough. the men are like terrible yeah they're terrible they're not good and then they're like why didn't you know that i've been in love with you for years probably because you were being a huge dick like what the how the fuck is she supposed to like how is she supposed to know whatever whatever sorry off topic um (laughs) yeah i also and maybe we can talk about this in comp con because i don't know if this is gonna happen with other guys in the novels that we're gonna read yeah but um literally maybe authors are just trying to be realistic about the male population in the u.s but like 
50% of these men at some point in the book will be like, oh yeah, I had perfect brothers, but I have ADD and I was just always the fuck up in the family. And it's yeah. like, why does every single one of you have the same life story? Why do you all have ADHD? Like, like, and why do your parents hate you or you say that, but then the relationship we see most of the time is that they love you and miss you and want you to be around more? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to copy this into CompCon, actually, because I want to see if it happens again. Okay. Sounds good. I think that would be a fun little um thing to watch out for. Because I think you're right. I think, like, there are so many, like, men in books where they're just like, my brothers are perfect and I'm not. And it's like, uh, okay. I think you're right. And then the girl is too. like, I think you're perfect. Yeah. And it's like, is this a little, and maybe again, uh, me just seeing men in real world, is this a little manipulation tactic for you to get the woman? Oh. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I am. Not dating a man with ADD, so I like don't know what it's what it's like. Yeah, I'm living with ADD, and so I don't really want to date a man with ADD. My best friend is, and every day she tells us, "Well, a, I surround myself with the same people. You are all the same." But B, she's like, uh. "He forgot to like feed himself. Why is it? Why is this happening?" I mean, me too, but, like... Oh, God. It's so... She's yeah. like, I have to well, remind him to, like, eat. And I'm like, that's so... That's, like, a toddler. Ugh. But lots of medication for ADD also, like, is an appetite suppressant, right? So, like, that might be part of it. Like, if you're never hungry, you're not like, I gotta eat dinner. Yeah, but they're usually... And this is coming from someone who's been on different ones. They're usually, like, for the first, like, month or so, and then you can get used to it. Oh, Okay. Okay. Honestly, a big part is you just like forget to take care of yourself. <laughs> like I forget all the time to just do what I need to do. Like, oh, I didn't eat today. My bad. I've been drinking coffee all day. That's why my tummy hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more thing to say about Jack Stapleton. Please. I think his whole the best way to hide a sneeze thing is to sneeze into your shirt mm. is the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I think that is such a man solution, and I don't hate him for it. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's cute. I agree. Because he's right. <laughs> the best way yeah. to not spray, spray your sneeze all over someone yeah. is to pull your shirt up over your nose and sneeze. Yeah, I do that and all the time. I think his brother Hank is also right. It's nasty. What if you get a booger on your stomach? That's true. The best place to sneeze is into a Kleenex. It's true. But, like, the second best in terms of spray... Your shirt. Might be in the shirt. Yeah. I'll give it to him. That's funny as hell. Yeah. I'll give it to him. If I don't have a Kleenex on hand at work, I'm like, a chew, you know? Yeah. In my shirt. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. Nasty. <laughs> Boogers really get me. Ooh. I will say. <laughs> In a classic turn of events, I did forget to put any Goodreads uh, good thing comments. We can pull in it here. up. We can pull it up. Okay, I'll I'll monologue about too many hands for a little bit while you find a good one. Oh, please, yes, please do it. There's not that much sex in this book. There's like one makeout scene, which is fine. And I've already spoken on how I wanted it to be a little more lusty. 
Although I do think you refuted me very well on that. I think you're right. I think she's too insecure to think that he is looking at her with any sort of lust. Um, I think that this book actually kind of had the, the, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'm entering, uh, exiting my ultra smutty era. <laughs> I love like, that I'm kinda for like, you. Yeah, we could read one of those every once in a while, but like, I'm, I don't want the sex to be the driving plot of the book. I want the plot to be the driving plot of the book yeah. with a little bit of being a little bit horny mixed in. So I think Catherine Center actually balanced this really well. And okay. also, like, it's there not, were never uh, too many hands. He never did anything superhuman. Like, generally, you read this and you're like, that's hot. We can move on. Yeah. Um. Okay, so it's not on Goodreads. <laughs> what the what? heck? Yeah, you look it up. It's not on Yeah, there. it is. I'm like, why is it not showing up on my thing? Oh, I, so I was spelling bodyguard wrong. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Guys, I might have taught English. There is the Mo Connell that I know. I was putting A before you. That's sh- okay. First off, what I'm not going to get into it. I might have taught English, but I can't spell to save my life. Okay, so it's a 4.0. It's a four star. That's the average. I think it should be higher, but whatever. Do you want? Do you want one stars? Do you want four stars? What do we want? <laughs> um. Here, I found a one star. Okay. Um, I don't, I think that this one star reader formed her opinion reading the first chapter and then sipped on a haterade the rest if of her If it's the read. one that I'm looking at, then I think you're right. Actually, I knew I would hate this book when I read the very first line. Yep. My mother's dying wish was for me to take a vacation. That is the most random dying wish I have ever heard of. You know what's funnier? She chose Toledo, Ohio as her destination. I'm so sorry. This woman has not slept in, like, 36 hours. Her mom just died. Her mother that she was estranged with, also who she thought was sober, and then her mother died of liver failure. Yeah. So, like, she has had a whirlwind whirlwind of a week, Matilda. And all I'll say is that if you think she's making rational decisions while being awake for 36 hours after the death of her mother, you can fuck off. Literally. I hate it. Like, like who, who is out here grieving and like making good decisions? No one. Oh my God. No, No I'm so sorry to interrupt. She put in the, in this review, Jack was named sexiest man alive twice, yet he had as much sex appeal as Danny DeVito. That's fucking rude. (laughs) She's wrong. This is a bad review. I don't usually, like, read a review on the pod and be like, this bitch is an idiot. But, like, I'm anti that review. I think it was bad. This is not good. She also calls him Jake. (laughs) Um, if you don't even know the Petite, ordinary, maybe stumpy-legged. That's how this review starts. Very boring and lackluster. Are you kidding me? I hate, I don't like this girl. I've decided, um... I'm going to report, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to report a comment on air, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Here's what I got. I have a... Oh, that was too long. 
I do think this book is coming oh. out. Someone said, I hope this book comes out on Netflix as like a movie. I think it is coming out as a, I think it's coming out as a movie. That would be good. One of her last books just came out as a movie on Netflix and it's really cute. Oh, so. well, searching the bodyguard movie isn't going to help me at all because it's just going to pull up that the actual Halle Berry movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking up the bodyguard Catherine Center. Oh, okay. There we go. Movie? Let's see. Oh, a lot of these reviews are from, most of them say like happy publishing day, which oh. makes me think that these, a lot of these people were sent like, early copies to yeah, like write be. reviews yeah i think a lot of Ooh. them were interesting hmm oh, oh my yeah. god Catherine center rated it five stars she so was like maybe i shouldn't do this she's so funny first off i love her i she's literally i i, so I saw her speak at the library and she's like the she's so funny like genuinely so cute want to be your friend She's just like somebody's mom, like writing these books. Oh, she's so funny. Um, yeah. If you, sorry, my cat's about to eat a command strip. Oh my god. <laughs> she's really annoying. Um, it's an audio medium, so what people couldn't see was Mo just picked her cat up with one hand, moved her over her head, and tossed her onto the ground on the other side. We do this a lot. Um. Let's see. Here, I have a three-star review, and I think that I'll just read the last paragraph. While this didn't blow me away, I still liked it well enough, and I know that Center's writing and storytelling can work for me in the very best way. So moving forward, I will just make sure I'm in the mood for her brand of sugary rom-com before diving into her next release, because I really want to like them and know that it's possible. Yeah, I feel like that's this. This person also said, like, I did just read my favorite book of the year before I read this one, so I don't really know how I was supposed to, like, write a fair review of it, essentially, because she was like, you know what? Like, I just read, like, the best book I've ever read, and then I, like, picked up The Bodyguard for something light afterwards, and you know what? It didn't hit. And sometimes a book doesn't hit, and I think it was really nice that this reviewer was like, you know, I might have fucked this one up. Like, this one might be on me. Yeah, like, I feel like like, I feel like if I'm in the mood for, like, a cutesy romance, I'm going to read Catherine Center. If I'm in the mood for, like, a dark, like, I need to cry right now, I'm going to read Sally Rooney over. You know? Like, you have yeah. to know when you want to read it. And then if I'm in the mood for, like, both, I'm going to read Emily Henry. Because she usually has got a good mix of, like, weird, demented girl who's going who's gonna to fuck you up for a little bit. I love it. Who's going to be cute and romancy, but she's got a She's also going to be a little demented. She's going to be a little yeah. demented, and I kind of love it about her. She's, oh, I'm so excited for her next week. Me too. Oh, me too. But yeah. Um. Okay. Would you like me to read her author's note? Yes. Okay. We will. We will end on the author's note. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I think this is one of the best. Like, like I saw. So I read it on Thanksgiving break last year, and it was just such a like. It was, like, one of the first books I read last um, school year where I, I wasn't, like, teaching it. And it was such a little relief okay. of, like, I'm not reading this to analyze it. I'm not reading this to, like, think it's, like, the best work of literature in the world. I'm reading it for fun. And, like, it was such a fun book to read. Like, if this was a movie, 
I don't think people would be giving it such harsh reviews. Does that make sense? If it came straight out as a movie, yeah. people would be like, that's so cute. Um, this is so cute. This, this is the cutest thing Netflix has put out in a while. Exactly. And so I think sometimes when we're reading books, people are so analytical of it. But when they yeah. watch it in like a movie format, they're like, oh my God, I love it. And I'm like, stop it. You stop it. Reading should be just as fun as books. And I think I've had to get over that a lot because again, I was, I was reading books analytically for so long as a teacher yeah. and as an English major that like I would take the stupidest little things in books and be like, and like things that were probably like one offs that like we're not supposed and to And this analyze. is why it's bad. Like, yeah, things that were not supposed to be analyzed and I could write like a paper on it just because that's what I was yeah. trained to do. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to read this. I'm going to enjoy it. And it's going to be cute. And I'm not going to think too hard about it. And I think this is one of those books that really kicked me off doing that. Um, and I don't know. I really love it. I love a good, like, I love it. I love a girly book. I also love that it's the girl being the bodyguard in this book, which we haven't talked about yet. Because I think we get so many, like, men are the tough ones who have to protect. And Hannah is over here like, I know what I look like a kindergarten teacher, but I'm actually really strong. And I think that's really fun and cute. So Yeah, it is good. Yeah. Those are my thoughts on this. Those are my, like, wrap-up thoughts on it. I don't know if you have any other ones, but I love this book. With my whole heart, I would recommend it to anyone. I have I have recommended it to anyone, so. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. I think that I have said my thoughts. I want to oh. hear her. Oh, here. I'll, um. I'll do my little end of pod spiel, and then we can yes. end on the on the, author's on the manifesto. Okay, sounds um, good. This has been all my friends are English majors. The oh, I almost did the intro. <laughs> um, this has been all my friends are English majors. Next week we are going to read "Get a Life," Danny Brown. Take, take a, a break, take a Danny Brown. Take a hint, Danny, Danny Brown. Brown. Thank you. <laughs> um. Another bodyguard book. Uh, follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Send us an email at EnglishMajorsPod at gmail.com. Leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And we're going to go out on Mo reading us the author's note. Okay, this is Catherine Center's, like, um, I want to say manifesto. <laughs> One year for my birthday, I got a historical romance novel as a gift. After years of studying creative writing and serious fiction in school, I had never really read romance before, but I pushed past the dead, um, the decidedly non-literary cover and opened it up to the first chapter to take a look at it. Three hours later, I was in the car driving to the bookstore to get another one. I felt like a person who'd spent her entire life eating boneless, skinless chicken breasts, and I had just discovered chocolate cake. The book was delicious. It was blissful. It was life-changing. It redefined reading for me and fun. It was the biggest writing epiphany of my life. I mean, I knew I loved stories. I'd been raised on Nora Ephron, after all. But those were movies. Movies were entertainment. Books in my head, at least, were work, not play. After that first gateway romance novel, I spent the next several years reading historical romance in a blissful haze. Did I say reading them? Sorry. I meant devouring them. I put duct tape over the chesty man candy on the covers. But I kept reading, in the bubble bath, at stoplights, while stirring spaghetti sauce on the stove. There you have it. I fell in love with romance novels. 
For a long time, if you'd asked me why that was, I'd have shrugged and said, because they're fun. But now, after much overthinking it, I figured it out. At least, in part, why they're fun. It's because love stories really are unlike any other kind of story. All stories have an emotional engine that drives them. Mysteries run on curiosity. Thrillers run on heart-thumping adrenaline. Horror stories run on fear. And the fuel for those emotional engines is anticipation. We piece the clues together and predict what's going to happen, and we feel emotions, sometimes very strong ones, about what we're predicting. Stories use different scenarios in different ways to create anticipation, but most novels use a fair bit of what's called negatively balanced anticipation. A sense of worry. A concern that things might get worse. You know, you're reading along, picking up the breadcrumbs of foreshadowing the writers dropped for you, and you're like, oh my god, that kid's gonna get arrested. Or, ugh, that man's gonna have a heart attack. Or, bet you a thousand dollars he's cheating on his wife. But guess what kind of anticipation romance novels use? Positively balanced. Romance novels, rom-coms, non-tragic love stories, they all run on a blissful sense that we're moving towards something better. For sentence-wise, the majority of clues writers drop in romance novels don't give you things to dread. They give you things to look forward to. This right here, more than anything else, is why people love them. The banter, the kissing, the tropes, even the spice, that's all just extra. Anticipating that you're reading or that you're heading toward a happy ending lets you relax and look forward to better things ahead. And there's a name for what you're feeling when you do that. Hope. Sometimes I see people grasping for a better word than predictable to describe a romance. They'll say it was predictable, but in a good way. I see what they're going for, but I'm not sure it needs pointing out that over the course of a love story, people fall in love. I mean, of course they did. I don't think it's possible to write a love story where the lead gets get the leads getting together in the end is a surprise. And even if it were, why would you want to? The anticipation, the blissful, delicious, oxytocin-laden, yearning-infused, building sense of anticipation is the point. It's the cocktail of emotions we all came to feel. I propose we stop using the hopelessly negative word predictable to talk about the love stories and start using anticipation. As in, the love story really created a fantastic feeling of anticipation. Structurally, thematically, psychologically, love stories create hope and then use it as fuel. Two people meet, and then over the course of 300 pages, they move from alone to together, from closed to open, from judgy to understanding, from cool, cruel to compassionate, from needy to fulfilled, from ignored to seen, from misunderstood to appreciated, from lost to found, predictability. That's not a mistake. That's a guarantee of the genre. Things will get better, and you, the reader, get to be there for it. It's a gift the love story gives you. But no type of story gets more eye rolls than love story. They're so unrealistic, people say, and they start another zombie apocalypse movie. What is that? Is it self-protection, self-loathing, fear of vulnerability? Is it pretending we don't care so we are we aren't disappointed? Is it some sad, unexamined misogyny that we as a culture really, really need to work on? I think love stories are deeply misunderstood, in part, at least because they don't work like other stories. Love stories don't have happy endings because their authors didn't know any better. They have happy endings because those endings let readers access a rare and precious kind of emotional bliss that you can only get from having something that matters to look forward to. Yes, misery is important, but joy is just as important. The way we take care of each other matters just as much as the way we let others down. Light matters just as much as darkness. 
play matters much as work as much as work and kindness matters as much as cruelty and hope matters as much as despair more even so because tragedy is a given but joy is a choice romantic fiction thrived during the pandemic and there were lots of theories about why people thought we were lonely we needed escape we wanted some laughs all true but i think more than that it's because love is a form of hope we all sense it deep down i suspect Past the snark and the tough guy exteriors, love is healing. It's nourishing. It's unapologetically optimistic. It's the thing that leads us back to the light. So I write stories about how love does that, about people healing from hard things and trying to connect and working like hell to become the best versions of themselves, despite it all. About the genuine, genuine emotional courage it takes to love other people and about the joy that courage can offer us. I hope this story made you laugh and swoon. I hope it kept you up way too late reading and gave you that blissed out, long-laden, tipsy feeling that all the best love stories create. I hope it gave you something to think about and maybe a new perspective. But what I know for sure is that reading love stories is good for you. That believing in love is believing in hope. And doing that, choosing in that cynical world to be a person who does that, really is doing something that matters. Doesn't that just make oh, you... Oh, Catherine! I know! Uh, I, like... Uh, it's just, like, shut up, everyone who hates romance novels. Like, these are for the people who actually have hope. And I I don't know. I love it. And just, yeah. like, hearing her read that That's out really loud, wonderful. I love her. She's my favorite. And everyone should go read her book, The Bodyguard. That's all I can say. <laughs>